welcome back to the Epic as Fuck podcast where I help you dive deep into your life and become more epic as fuck every day because being epic as fuck is not reserved for special people or people that are rich or with lots of influence. Guess what? We all have influence and we're all equal and as long as we step into our true embodiment of who we are, we are epic as fuck. And that's what this podcast is all about. And today's episode is episode 10, and I'm here with a guest. Her name is Shelby Wildgust, and she's a boss bitch. And she is a corporate trainer, a woman's empowerment advocate, and she really helps people step into their authenticity and vulnerability. And that's what this episode is all about, stepping fully into your authenticity and vulnerability, dissecting the process of becoming more authentically you, discovering your personal process with how to show up vulnerably and what that even means and how it impacts your life and your relationships with other people. This is a really dope episode because it's something that every single fucking human struggles with. It's something we all need reminders about. It's something we all need to understand our personal relationships with. So we're going to be diving into this super, super deep, getting real vulnerable and just peeling back the layers of uh, the masks that we wear in order to discover our true selves and step more into that on a daily basis in the workplace, in our, our relationships, in our life, because the more authentic and aligned we can be and then act in accordance with who that is, the more whole we feel and the more we feel like ourselves. And listen, humans are tribal. We want to and need to fit in, but sometimes we spend a lot of our life trying to fit in and be someone we're not in places we're not meant to be. So this episode's all about giving you the permission to understand your relationship to how you show up to be your most authentic self, your relationship with vulnerability, and peeling back the layers of who you're not so you can discover who you truly are under there, all right? So please enjoy this episode. This is really great. Shelby's an amazing human being, and we're really lucky to have her. So see you on the other side. Hey, Shelby. Welcome to the Epic as Fuck podcast. Hello, hello. Love the name. This is going <laughs> to Yeah, I'm so happy to have you. It's going to be fun. Yeah, for sure. So we have Shelby Wild guest here. Shelby is a corporate trainer and a corporate coach, and she's also the founder of an amazing creative project called Naked Networking, which we're going to talk a lot about. But Shelby, say hi and tell us a little bit about yourself. Hello, everybody. First off, Alexa, thank you so much for inviting me to be part of this podcast. Like I said in the beginning, I love the name. It's very Philly. I'm always a fan of things that are like very much in your face, like epic ass fuck. Like, yes, we are. And that's what this life is all about. So thank you so much for having me on today. A little bit about myself. I am a Philly girl born and raised in the suburbs of Philadelphia. Now I live here in uh, Northern Liberties, which is a little neighborhood north of the city. It's a lot of fun. Actually, Alexa, I think we're neighbors. Um, We are. (laughs) We are. Yeah. And um, yeah, so like you were saying, I'm a corporate coach for a company called Vector Marketing, which is a direct sales arm for Cutco Cutlery. So I have been with that company on and off since 2012. When I was 18 years old, I got the job out of high school to sell knives, which at that time in my life, I got made fun of a lot (laughs) selling knives, but it turned out to be the absolute best decision I've ever made for myself. Not just because I met my husband through the company, but because it set me up for so much success moving forward. So now I work in the corporate headquarters for the company as a coach And I predominantly work with our branch managers, which are college students who are running offices during the summertime. So I love my job. I have a lot of passion with what I do. And then outside of that, like you were mentioning, I run a business called Naked Networking Events. And we'll dive into what that is, but it's my heart and soul and joy. And I'm very fortunate to have a lot of passion with what I do, both in a corporate lifestyle, but also in a side hustle slash entrepreneurship lifestyle. Yeah, I've gotten to see a lot of Shelby's journey. We've been friends for like, I think it's already been five years or so. 
Yeah, we, I think we met in what, like 2014, maybe? 2014. Yeah, about. We kind of met through Julian Bradley, but also I think we met actually first at a Secrets of the Millionaire Mind event, the TR yeah. Becker, like free conference. <laughs> I remember we were both like sitting next to each other, like screaming and like doing the like flicking of the, you know, like you wore like a. Yeah, the rubber bands. Like flick your wrist. So we, we met there. And then I think we, I rem- I think that weekend we went to Sancho Pistola's in Northern Liberties and I told you about myself, you told me about yourself. And then we realized that we both knew Julian Bradley and like, yeah, so that was cool. So it's been awesome to see Shelby's evolution over the past five years, even if it's like at a distance on social media, she is very open. So I feel like I've gotten like a front row seat to all of that evolution. But she did come to like one or two of our, I used to run a mastermind, the Philly Entrepreneurs Mastermind. I think you came to like one or two and you were really at that point, like trying so hard to be a coach and you were struggling and you still hadn't figured it out. And now you're like coaching and you're like doing it and making it work. So it's been really cool to see that evolution. It's really sweet. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. So actually, (laughs) I want to, can you just start, can you tell us about Naked Networking? Because it's funny, I was about to, as I was getting ready for this, I went into my bathroom and I remember that part of Naked Networking is not wearing any makeup. It's not actually people that are naked. It's that they don't have any makeup on. So I was going to put on makeup and I was like, oh, duh, like perfect thing. Like don't put makeup on for this. So tell us a little bit about like the journey to Naked in networking and how it was born because it really does in alignment with like your purpose and your soul purpose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I will start by saying exactly what naked networking is and then I'll go backwards to how it became what it is today. So naked networking is a women only, no makeup, no judgment style of event. It's important that I mention this isn't an anti-makeup event. I still love getting dolled up and putting makeup on whenever I can. But the idea behind this event is that the no makeup part of it is kind of like the pomp and circumstance to the deeper reasoning and the deeper mission that we're on, which is to help women remove the masks that we so often hide behind and that really limit us from embracing our truest potential and that that real identity that's within us that's meant to change the world or... In any, in any sense of that, that word. It doesn't have to be this like massive altruistic mission that this individual person has, but just allowing women to come and be and identify who it is within them that they haven't yet fully lived into. So that is the premise of Naked Networking. And, you know, where it came from, it, people ask me this all the time as if I've been planning this business for years and years and years. And while to an extent I can say I have been, it really came to me in like a flash of a second. So back in, mm, I would say March or April of last year, I was ruminating on this idea of creating some type of event or group for women. I had gone to a few events in the city early 2019. And a lot of them were focused on women. And there were a few that were really awesome. And then there were a few that were really not awesome. And being an entrepreneurial minded person, I started to ask myself, okay, well, could I create something like that? And so in March, I was just sitting on my couch or maybe it was April. And I was like, yeah, I think I could create something like that. But I want to make it different, interesting, and unique. I've, uh, I've got a marketing background. So I was thinking about like, how do I market this in a way that separates me from one of what the competition and really what came to me first was hosting a networking event. Cause I've always wanted to get out and meet new women in the city. I'm 26 now. I was 25 at the time. And I remember a lot of people kind of stating that it's hard to make uh, friends as an adult but I didn't want to believe that. And so I thought, well, what if I created an environment where women could come and make friends with each other? And so networking was the first kind of iteration of what I was thinking of. But then I'm thinking even deeper. And I'm like, ugh, but networking has such a connotation to it that like can feel really inauthentic at times and almost forced in a way. Mm-hmm. I wanted to create a space where women could come and, and feel like totally open to meeting new women. And 
then I thought, okay, well, what if I did something that kind of flipped networking on its head? And that's where my marketing brain started to come in. And I thought of naked networking. And it really did come to me like, like in the snap. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, okay, well, that sounds cool. Like naked networking. And I was like, well, what could make it cooler? And I started to like kind of think through some ideas. And that's when I thought, well, what if we took our makeup off? Like I haven't seen any event that does that. And then I thought, well, what if we took our makeup off and we talked about what it means to remove the mask? And so this is where this little thought that I had of removing the mask, this is where I can justify this idea that naked networking has been years in the making because in 2016, I was given the opportunity to give a TED talk. And the topic that I chose was on removing the mask. So I have... I have dove into this idea before and I've really created my own personal journey of removing the mask. And so fast forward to April, 2019, removing the mask felt like a very comfortable topic that I could help women with because of my experiences that I've had up until that point. Yeah. And that's what I was going to ask next was I was going to jump off with that, that Ted talk you did. Cause this has been years in the making. I, you know what I mean? So what in your personal journey, if you want to get a little vulnerable has like, mm-hmm. where have you struggled with wearing masks and like, cause this is a big topic for you. So what has been even the journey beyond the Ted talk yeah. that was like the struggle part of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the interesting things about quote unquote, removing the masks is that hindsight is twenty twenty. I don't think in the moment, unless we're wearing a really thick mask, I don't think in the moment we recognize when we're doing it. And so for me, a lot of my journey of removing the mask has been reflecting upon the times in my life where I wasn't being my authentic self. And then noticing what some of the things I was doing that was either driving me deeper and further away from my most authentic self or driving me closer towards it. So the first experience I can think about was um, back in high school. So what was interesting about me in high school was that the way that I was raised, my dad's an entrepreneur. And so he was always encouraging me to kind of explore that creative entrepreneurship side of being a young girl who has lemonade stands or dog walks or waters plants or any of those kinds of things. And so in my home life, I was constantly working with my dad on different projects and different ways to put myself out there and kind of take control of my life from like a financial standpoint or just have fun with with being the leader in that area. But then in school, I was so consumed by being part of the in crowd, which I mean, I'm giving myself all the grace in the world. Like I'll say I had a good time in high school. I had a lot of fun. I just didn't realize that I was being two different parts of myself so frequently. The minute that I would get to high school, I was one version of myself. The minute I got home, I was another version of myself. And that created a lot of friction. That created a lot of inner turmoil and a lot of judgment that I would hold for myself and a lot of moments of doubt and frustration and and fear because I didn't know who I was. And I think mm-hmm. in high school, that's a lot of people. But really what happened for me in that moment or in that experience was eventually I was introduced to a new opportunity that allowed me to ditch the person I was in high school and fully live into the person I was at home. So what I mean by this is that when I was 18 years old, I was given the opportunity to sell Cutco knives. And this is why I say this was such a powerful experience for me was because up until that time, again, I was living this like almost double life, having a lot of fun. I've got some crazy experiences. And there were a lot of points that were important for my own personal journey that I had to learn the hard way during my high school. However, once I got that job with Cutco, all of a sudden I was thrust into this world where I was still surrounded by young people and people who were, who were kind of on a similar journey as me, but I was able to fully live into this entrepreneurial version of myself. I was fully able to live into this leadership version of myself. And it's important to note that in high school, there would be small moments where I would try to do that. But because I had held this other identity of the party girl so tightly, 
because it was it was a defense mechanism in a way. It kept me safe. It kept me part of the crowd. When I would try to step out of that and be the leader that I knew I could be, I was laughed at. I ran for uh, school government five years in a row, never once won. I would try to start clubs to talk about success and to talk about being a better version of ourselves, and I was laughed at. And so there were moments, looking back now, where I'm like, okay, the, the, the part of me that was really true to me was trying to come out, but I didn't have the right environment to do so. And it wasn't until I found Cutco where I was like, okay, now I can actually be who I'm supposed to be, and people will, real, people will accept me for that. And so when it comes to vulnerability, when it comes to removing the mask, to, to kind of bring it full circle and that, that one experience there, I think for me, the first thing I realized was environment matters. And I had to take myself out of an environment that did not accept me for who I truly was and find a place that would. So that way I could go on the journey of figuring out who I was and be supported along the way. I don't need the outside validation, but it does help, especially when you're young and you're still very unsure of yourself. So to have this environment of people who are also kind of figuring out their leadership styles, their entrepreneurial styles, just who they are as a young person with Cutco, that was really where I was able to start coming into my own, if that makes sense. Well, yeah, the validation gives you, it's not about like needing the validation, but it gives you feedback that you want to continue becoming that and you're, you're making a difference and that you're like, if you just never receive feedback from your environment, like some people will give up because of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Environment is huge, but you know, you had to go through that too, to probably learn how to maybe accept credit or feel criticism, feel how it feels and continue on your mission anyway. So you were in the right environment in the sense you had lessons to learn probably through being in that environment, you know, mm-hmm. all the yeah. journey. And yeah. And the whole, like going back when you were saying about the masks we wear, we, we look back and we kind of see the masks that we were taking off. That's like kind of the evolutionary process. Mm-hmm. It's like, who was I being in this environment at this time? And then you come more into your own, you come more, become more authentic, you become more centered, less fragmented, and you're shedding masks as you go. So yeah. Yeah. That's I also think it's important to recognize that like you were saying, all of those experiences were there for a reason and they've taught me empathy. They've taught me social intelligence in the sense of like, I understand how to operate in certain situations and scenarios. And I could still go back and be in that environment that at the time wasn't serving me and do fine now. And it, because I, I've become a lot more sure of myself. I think in those moments, looking back on it, I was just so unsure of myself that an environment that did not support my best self was not good for me. And that's what I've recognized. So I guess for anybody out there who's kind of trying to, to shed some of the masks that they're starting to identify within themselves, I would say the first place to look is your environment. Are you part of a supportive mm. going to give you the cushion to fall on when you're figuring yourself out in the process? Yeah. That's huge for sure. And a lot of people are scared to leave that environment because, well, it's com- it's a comfort zone. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. And also with the environment itself, there can be a lot of backlash when you choose to leave because again, there's like that whole crab analogy where when it, one- I just use this analogy like a week ago. Did you really? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So to be like, honest with my family in some ways and because they're a, a, you know, a-, a cohort of people that I, I love them and they're supportive and they've always supported my success, but there's some family dynamics that it is like crabs in a bucket. They pull you back down. And I've like, even, I mean, school or high school, but like when it's your family, that is like the thing that's really influencing you. That's a hard place to like, we wear a lot of masks in the family environment. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I totally get it with family and that can be really difficult for a lot of people. And so it's important that you have a good circle of friends that are around you that you can go to. It's not like, it's not always the best move just to cut your family out completely. In some cases, maybe yeah. for some, it's, it's not the best move. So to have an environment where you can go to and, and really grow within is important. Yeah. I just want to mention, cause this is like more of a private thing. I did a podcast on it about actually 
two podcasts ago, the power of women's circles. So mm. I had gotten to the point where I was kind of like over the Philly entrepreneurs mastermind, like a couple of years ago. And I was like, this doesn't feel like it anymore. So I actually similar situation to you, but completely different direction was like, what can I do for females? Cause in the, in, in Philly. So we launched a little group flourishing female founders. It's more of like a private mastermind. It's just like a group of women. Cause I felt like I didn't have that female support. And that's cool that you did something that was like designed for women because I feel like we need more of that, more women circles, more women empowerment. I know that's like part of your mission too, is like empowering women to come into their greatness when they, where they don't know where to, when they don't know where to start or something like that. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to comment on that because that's cool. We both like saw that need, but filled it in different ways. Um, Yeah. And I think it's also important to recognize that women, I'm trying to think how I can say this in the best way possible. I know you've expressed this to me before and I felt this before where I've been like, I'm just more of a guy's girl. Like I don't. Yes. hundred percent. I think from like past experiences that I've gone through in my life, I've built this distrust towards women. It hasn't been that way for the last couple of years because I've really been intentional about releasing that story and recognizing that just because couple women have hurt me does not mean that all women will, will hurt me. But I think that thought is more common amongst women than we actually believe. And it's interesting, this world of female empowerment, where you can post an Instagram quote about supporting your sisters, but then you secretly still want to be the only woman in the boardroom. Like mm. there's these weird dynamics. Yes, I know I've felt before, like, I wanted to see people succeed, but then at the minute that they're going to start getting more successful, I'm like, Ooh, like I'm a little intimidated by them now. And I've done a lot of work on myself to release those thoughts. But the, the truth is, is that women look at each other as competition still, even though we're in this world of female empowerment, there's still this level of like, what she's saying about me behind my back, or how did she get to that point? Like, what does she know that I don't? And it's like this, this, uh, almost like resentment. And so I think creating spaces specifically for women is so valuable because it shows women that we're all just out here doing our best and we can get to where we want to go a lot faster if we band together and help one another. And one woman's success does not take away from your success or my success. Like there's enough to go around and that's yeah. A hundred percent. And talking about that in, so I'll back up. So a lot of my like wounding, right. Came from high school with like the hierarchy and like literally people would put each other in their pro. I was, I talk about this a lot because I see how much it's affected me and impacted me. Like people, girls would like put their, I don't know if you had an AIM profile, but you like <laughs> put your initials and then the, the, the like order of the initials would, would change. And I would like check every day if like I'm still first and my last and I kicked off like that had more of an impact than I, than I, and I wasn't in the in crowd. I was like, like that fringe, like partying, like friends with dudes because all the girls like intimidated me. They were very like, whatever. And that definitely impacted me. And it's funny because now with this, this femme crew that we're building, it's totally about female empowerment, supporting each other, like being vulnerable, like holistic life success with each other. But yes, like we all, I still feel that I'm a very competitive person naturally by being an entrepreneur. And even like something as little as like, I'm making the logo right now. And I'm like, I'm going to have the best logo for the, like all these things. But what I realize it's, I can still be authentic to the group and to the mission we're building and know that this is just a deeply conditioned part of me that's going to take time to unravel. And if I can be vulnerable about it and share in those circles of women, we can all talk about it and realize it's not the truth. It's just like our conditioning. And yeah, I was about to say communication is so key in breaking these stories down because the reality is like we've all been through shit some worse than others. And so it's one thing to allow a story to rise up into your, like basically your peripherals and kind of start to cloud your judgment. It's another thing to allow that to create external action that prohibits you from creating those connections. Yeah. For to be in a group of women and you begin to feel threatened, speak up. Hey guys, I want to share something that I'm feeling right now. 
it's from my own personal past and the story that I've been telling myself, but I feel like if I share it with you, I might be able to get some really valuable insight. I love all of you deeply, but I'm feeling threatened and I don't know why. And I think if we were to do that more often, it would break other women's walls down because there's somebody else in that room feeling the exact same way. Yeah. Just how it is. And so I, I think what you're saying about being vulnerable and, and sharing those things is really powerful because it helps other women realize that you're not alone. It's not just them. And we can all work through it together. Yeah, I see myself like the impulsive decisions in the past that have come from like negative impulsive decisions around like being around a group of people or women. Like I won, I told you I won a grant and it was all women that provided the grant. And I was so scared of like author, like women in authority at that point still that I like barely opened up. I barely built connections and like relationships because I was just way too scared of it. But like I see how in my past that fear and that conditioning has like ruled my life. It's caused me to pull back and like be at a distance from groups, especially groups of women. But like showing up in this group is like, it's like I'm literally like at times like battling two parts of me that want to run away and that want to lean in. But choosing to lean in is like, I know the work over and over and over until the, the grip of that lessens. So yeah, it's just, it's interesting. It's nice too, to hear that other people like, like you even like being in the position you're in and the experience you have, you still feel this. And like you, for sure. Yeah. And I still get intimidated by certain women. And what yep. I've come to realize is that like what you're saying, making that choice of leaning in, will there be an experience that I get hurt by another woman in the future? Yes, probably. But does that mean that every woman that I lean into is going to hurt me? Absolutely not. And that's the story that we have to continuously remind ourselves of is rather than having the fear about leaning in and convincing ourselves that this person's going to hurt us or take advantage of us or talk badly about us or judge us or whatever bullshit thing that we're saying to ourselves. If you're capable of thinking that, you're also capable of thinking that what if this person becomes my mentor? What if this person holds the key to unlocking the thing that I've been thinking about for the last five years? What if this person becomes my best friend? What if this person is somebody who I so deeply connect with that we become like soul sisters? Like there's, if we can allow ourselves to think of all the negative shit, well then we're, we're capable of thinking of the positive. It's just a switch and it's a, it's a, it's a choice. Like you're saying, it's 100% a choice. And it's important that we make those choices for the benefit of not just ourselves, but for the other woman who is probably wondering, why does she seem so cold? And then that other woman is probably beginning to feel self-conscious about her because mm-hmm. we all have these stories, we all have these wounds, we all have these scars. And when I show up guarded, not only does that hurt me, but it's also causing the women that I'm guarding myself from to second guess themselves. Yeah. Not fair to anyone. Yeah. Mm. But also being like, I guess, cause I'm sure there's times where I look like the cold guarded person, like the cold hearted bitch, but it's probably cause I'm just like so scared, you know, but yeah, but I, we, we broke down walls together. For sure. I remember the first day of, uh, that millionaire mastermind thing I was like, by you. I was like, she probably knows everybody here. Like, should I go say hi? And I was totally alone. And I was like, oh, fuck it. I don't want to be alone anymore. And I sat next to you. I think you said hi. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. We're good. All right, calm down, Shelby. <laughs> it's funny because I look at you now and I'm like, I, I'm like, okay, I don't really, I get, I have a lot of social anxiety. People wouldn't know it just because I'm like, I show up, whatever. And I, like, before we were about to, like, jump on here, I'm like, why am I getting sweaty? Like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Like, I don't know. You know, it just happens. Like, there's something in there, you know, that gets triggered. Yeah, well, yeah. So, I mean, so, so going back to what I was saying, I think it takes time to get to that point where, like, all right, I can make this choice and just be completely confident with it. But I get what you're saying about the, the bodily reactions almost that you get where you're like, I don't know why my palms are sweaty. I don't know why I am like judging my outfit. When I, when I left this morning, my outfit looks great and it's the same damn outfit that I've worn all day. Why am I all of a sudden judging how I look in front of this person? Cause I'm afraid now. Yeah. 
So there's all of these things that go on. And I think it's, it's always a process. Um, I think also it's like, we want those small wins too. And I've, I've been fortunate enough in the last couple of months and probably the last two years to have enough small wins with other women to now be on the side of believing all women are out to do good as opposed to believing all women are out to do bad. Yeah. That's, that's awesome that you've gotten to that point. That's powerful for you. Cool. Yeah. Well, come to Naked Networking and, and you'll have some of those wins too. Yeah. I hope I, I'm moving to St. Pete in a couple months. I hope I want to be able to try to get to one. I don't know if it's going to, I don't know with everything going on, if you're going to even be able to have an in-person one again soon, but. Well, you know. probably in the next, you know, maybe five to six months. That's the goal. Yeah. Yeah. So I have this question here and I want to see how you respond. So it's two parts. And the first part of it is what is your definition of vulnerability? So, and I'll, 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 I'll back it up with the second part and then we could pick it apart. So it's vulnerability, what you say, how you say it, or both or something else. And would you say vulnerability is the same as being open or are they completely different things? And that's a loaded question, but it was coming through really strong. And I'll give examples of what I'm talking about, but I want to hear what you have to say about that. I love the question. And what's so interesting is that whenever I give messages to my coaching clients and we talk about things like mindset or communication or culture, I always start the calls by defining like, what is the Merriam-Webster dictionary definition of this? Just to kind of give us a baseline of understanding. And what's so interesting about vulnerability is that the Merriam-Webster dictionary definition is so far off from the definition that we use in today's time. If you look it up online, vulnerability in the dictionary, the last time I looked it up, which was probably a year ago, I can remember correctly, has something to do with, um, like they defined a building being vulnerable and being something that had the potential for breakdown. It, or maybe it wasn't building. I mean, you read it? Yeah, sure, I read it. The, the quality or state of being exposed to the possibility of being attacked or harmed either physically or emotionally. Yes. And I remember reading that. I think there was like a, an example of a, like a structure being vulnerable, mm-hmm. hurricane, and like having the potential for a breakdown. And I remember reading that and I'm like, that is not the vulnerability that I talk about. Sure. I guess maybe a side effect of being vulnerable is that feeling of exposure. But I think there's a lot more of a positive spin on it that we can discuss. And as I've thought a lot about this, I really believe, and this is going to sound like a cop-out, but I believe it's understanding your deepest identity. It's understanding mm-hmm. like, who you are when, maybe not when nobody's watching, but like, who is that person that you know can be there or is within you that maybe you drown out with other distractions or noise or thoughts or fears or whatever that might be. And it's working on bringing that person out. And of course, there's those fears of judgment and a lot of those things that can make you feel exposed, but it's bringing that version of yourself out to the world. So that is my, I wouldn't call it a definition, but that is like my understanding of the concept of vulnerability. Kind of like, it's like, authenticity is who you are when you're your most who you are and, and fully accepting that. And then being vulnerable is being able to take that and show it to the world yes. versus just showing it to your partner and just showing it to your mom and dad or not right. wearing masks essentially or getting yeah, to the point where. Yeah. And a lot of it is the process too. It's that process of being vulnerable. And I think that, you know, we can use vulnerability in so many different ways. And like, there's vulnerable leaders who have showed up to their, to their following and and really just embraced who they are. And sure, I'm sure they have fear in those moments, but they allow the fear to subside in favor of really being authentic. Um, And 
I, a lot of it, I think, has to do with that whole process of, of kind of breaking down those walls and allowing that most authentic version of yourself to shine through. Yeah. And the reason that I, the second part of this question is that I said it this way is, is it what you say, how you say it, or neither? And the reason why I said that was because in the past, I've shared things publicly that were very, very private and like mm-hmm. very, like, you know, deep shit that mm-hmm. I felt would help people if I shared it. And people mm-hmm. you know, would say, that's very vulnerable of you to share that. Mm-hmm. But to me, I could say that, yeah, okay, maybe it was a vulnerable share, but I didn't feel like I was being vulnerable because I still have, you can, I think you could be open, but like still shield and like almost have that be your persona that you're open and you're willing to share and you're powerful, but like, it's not a natural vulnerability, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And I actually have had experiences in the past with people who have been open to an extent where it makes others uncomfortable. Mm. Um, which was a really fascinating experience for me to be part of because hmm. it was, it was a really interesting experience. Like I'll, I'll give you kind of the, the details of it. So I had a friend who was somebody who always preached that she was vulnerable. She was vulnerable. She was vulnerable and authentic. And she, I brought her around my friends and some of my closest friends. And within the first like five to 10 minutes of meeting them, she told my friends some like really deep things. Hmm. And I got a lot of feedback from my friends about that experience of like, I don't know why she shared that with us. Like we weren't quite ready for that. And like, I'm not really sure what to do with the information. I had a really tough time figuring out how to best handle that situation because I preach vulnerability, but then it made me think like, is there an art to vulnerability? Mm-hmm. What does true vulnerability mean? Does it mean that you hang all of your dirty laundry out to dry? Does it mean that you meet somebody in the first five minutes, you tell them that you have daddy issues and you were raped when you were a child? Like, what does vulnerability mean? And I've learned over time that there are parts of myself that I don't feel like the whole world needs to know, but I can still be vulnerable in other areas of my life. And I think when I'm most vulnerable, I think it's showing not just the open parts of myself, but the parts that hurt or the parts that don't go as planned or the parts that I feel blindsided. And I think vulnerability is a tool that's used to connect with people. And so to show people that life isn't always great and dandy and fun and awesome, that's a good way to be vulnerable. But I think on the flip side, with the example I'm sharing you, it has to, it has to be something that comes in a eloquent way, I guess I could say. I actually, see, even now, like I'm still processing how that whole experience affected me because I, I understand that she was trying to be vulnerable to connect, but it missed the mark. It was oversharing. It wasn't. It was, yeah, yeah, it was oversharing. It almost felt forced as opposed to, I feel open enough with this group to share something that makes me feel vulnerable. Yeah. And I think it was almost like, I'm going to be vulnerable and be open. I think it's a hard concept for people that have been really, so I'm speaking from experience, deeply traumatized that have so much that's happened and they want so badly to connect, but there's so much there that they feel like in order for them to connect and be vulnerable, like that's how I think we, because I've been in this, I've been in this, uh, th- that boat. And I mm-hmm. think that like a nap, like they, we actually thought that we were being vulnerable because that's what we thought we needed to do to connect, you know? Yeah. So it's like, it's hard. Cause it's like, I can have empathy for that for sure. Cause I've been through it, but it is an art because, because I think what happens is like, I've noticed that that's been me and I know it does feel fucking weird and like over Sherry just because of the way people are reacting or not reacting or shutting down. And I think if you're being vulnerable, people don't naturally shut down. They feel more open and more receptive. So it's like, mm-hmm. it's just, it's like a skill. Like just, it, it is. And it's yeah. again, like it's something that 
I love having these discussions about because it's a different interpretation for everybody. And that's the beauty of it is that we all can kind of have our own journey towards vulnerability. And I think that in itself is vulnerability, Mm. like our own journey of figuring out, like, how do we relate to others? At what point do we share this about ourselves? At what point do we share this about ourselves? And how do we forge a connection with somebody and be open with them but not like completely throw everything on the table, but do it over time as we grow more comfortable. Like what is the right way to do it? I don't think that there is, but I do think it is something that we learn what best suits us. I think also like it does take some emotional awareness too of like how, how is the room receiving this? And I know for me, when I've shared things vulnerable, Instagram, like I usually try to tie it with what's going on in the world or um, where I could share a story that has something I know will connect with others and then go from that story into something that's a little more vulnerable and like a little bit deeper once I've already established that first initial connection. But that's like from a content strategy. So then it's like, you don't have to, it's not one size fits all. So yeah. like I'm still developing my beliefs on vulnerability too. But Life I think long. Yeah, it is. But I think yeah. the biggest thing is is environment. And to be able to create a space or have a space where you can feel safe to be your best self mm-hmm. and your the, the self that's within you that that is not afraid. Yeah. So that's like, it sounds like a big piece of advice for people that are trying to like learn this skill or, or follow the path to their highest self and their most authentic and vulnerable self is like find other environments that like you can flourish in and mm-hmm. not have to put masks on just to stay accepted inside of. Yeah. Like relevant or any of those kinds of, yeah. I, yeah. I think that's really important and there's a lot to creating an environment like that as well or finding an environment like that as well. And yeah, there are going to be environments that I've been part of environments where I've walked in thinking it was going to be one thing and then it wasn't. And I had to make the decision that this isn't for me and that's okay. And just because it's for some people and not for you does not make it, does not make the environment any worse or, or better. And it doesn't make you any worse or better. It just, it's not the right fit. It's not the right puzzle piece that you're looking for. And that's an important thing to remember too. That's a huge theme in my life is like, as I'm going through with my coach and my process is like the the good, bad, right, wrong is a big, has been a big part of my like ego restrictions, whatever. And even this morning I was doing breath work and my partner was sitting on the couch across from me and I finished early and I was like, this thought came in. It was like, just because you do something a certain way, doesn't make the other person wrong or you right. It just means it's different. And as long as you're in your integrity, as you're going through this, you can't be wrong. You know, yeah. it's huge. Yeah. That's another really good mindset shift that I'm working on making is, is not holding judgment for others because they do some, do something different than how I do it. And You've probably read the four agreements. I read the fifth agreement. I oddly didn't read the four agreements. Okay. So I think it's the fourth agreement is that everyone's trying to do their best or just do your best. And it's a good reminder that for the most part, I mean, of course there are the off situations where someone's trying to do wrong. Um, But for the most part, everyone is out here just doing their best and their best might not be what you are looking for in your life. And that's okay. That does not mean that they're any less than or better than you or me or any of us. And that's helped me in like blessing and releasing certain situations. Like I love the the phrase bless and release. If I'm in a situation that I know that is not for me, rather than judging everybody else that's part of that situation or judging myself, I just say, okay, it's not for me. Everyone's doing their best. I need to find something else that, that is for me. And I think that's an important thing to remember. That's huge. It's such a big lesson. It takes so much time to like integrate that, but it's huge because 
we're always comparing our like our, our environment we're getting feedback and comparing and like classifying and like allowing things just pure allowing yeah huge what you're talking about in comparison oh my god we want to talk about it the the quick you just took it out of my mouth that's where i was going yeah. next. <laughs> to kill yourself in terms of authenticity and vulnerability and just like throw the mask on like just get into a comparison mode like the minute mm-hmm. Bearing myself. I'm like, oh, I'm not good enough. I can't do this. Like, what's wrong with me? Like, oh my God, I was going to go into a hole. And it's taken a very long time. Like last, maybe not last September, the September before last, I was in Denver in Colorado visiting a high school friend. And I love Colorado. And if I could move to any state in the United States, I would move to Colorado. So you have a mountain tattoo? I do. Yes. Yeah. I got it in Colorado. And I had a great day with my friends and we were just hanging out in his living room. I was waiting for Rob to pick me up and I started to scroll on Instagram and I started to like go down these rabbit holes of looking at different people I used to be friends with and comparing how many likes they were getting on pictures and how many likes I was getting on pictures. And I did it for about 45 minutes until Rob picked me up. And in that 45 minutes, I went to being extremely full for being in Colorado, feeling extremely happy with who I was in that moment, feeling validated by my friend who was there, feeling feeling content to a full-on spiral. But when Rob picked me up, like I couldn't even say hi. Like I was just like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Why did these people get 300 likes on a picture of a dog and I pour my heart out and get 85 likes? Like it was just a battled in my mind where all of the things I had been feeling just 45 minutes earlier that were positive and fueling and uplifting were completely wiped away. And I've trained myself over the last couple of years because of that experience. That was an experience that will stick with me for the rest of my life because I saw the intense shift that completely closed me off from my own boyfriend at the time. Now, now my husband completely closed me off to him. So if we're talking about vulnerability and authenticity, I think it's important to talk about comparison because that is like the, the kryptonite to this whole, whole concept. Yeah. The, okay. So the 45 minute thing you're talking about with Instagram, I was doing that almost every day and my energy was just sapped. And so about a week and a half ago, I had this thought in my head that was like, delete Instagram, like delete Instagram, like change. And I was like, no, I need to like build my personal brand, like all these reasons. But really when I looked at my relationship with the platform, it was chronic comparison. I'm pouring my heart out. I'm trying to be someone I'm trying to share, be vulnerable, but it just all feels fucking shitty. And at the end of the day, it just leads to comparison. So finally I was like, yo, Dave, change my password. I'm committing. And this was a week and a half ago, almost two weeks. And I have, oh my God, I feel so much better. I'm like able to be, I'm learning how to be my authentic self at all times so that I can show up eventually again one day and teach and coach in the way I'm meant to. But I had to take that like drastic measure of like change my password. I'm not going on here because all I do is I try, but then I chronically compare and it's just a whirlwind of just negative shitty energy. And I just have had such an energy boost. Like my, my business is doing way better. Like I just, I'm creating more, like, I just feel fucking really good. And that I could have compared myself and list. So like with the comparison, there's people that, you know, they have courses or they talk about certain things on social media. They're like, if you, you know, how you do everything is how you do anything. I'm like, well, I have to keep trying to show up here because if I can't show up here, then what am I like? this is needed. Like Instagram is needed. Like I need to figure this out. And then once I give myself permission to be like, well, fuck all those stories and what coaches and soulful social media people are saying, like fucking change your password and don't go on and see how you feel. And it's working for me. And it's like, I could have compared that to people that don't do that and think that that would be wrong. And that would have, (laughs) that would have defeated the whole purpose. So yeah, comparison is huge. Cause I think you need to learn how to be in your power, your center, authentically, vulnerably, first. And like some people are more skilled at it than others. And for me, I had to take the Instagram out of it so I can really learn and embody that every day before I even try to put myself on a huge public platform. And a Yeah. And it's, it goes back to what we're just talking about with, you know, understanding that there's no right or wrong. There's this gray area. And for you, Instagram is not, is not the direction that you're going in right now. No. 
one day down the road, you'll reopen the app. Like, okay, I feel good and, and I'm, I can show up here and, and not be triggered. But if it triggers you, don't put yourself in that position. Like I've had to learn that about hanging out with certain people. Like I thought like I needed to keep these certain relationships up because, because like they, I, I used to value time over quality in the sense that well, we've been friends for 10, 15, mm. 20 years. Like I need to keep this up. But then I'm like, wait a second, the quality of this relationship sucks. Why am I putting my energy into this? If it's just triggering feelings of, of not good enough and feelings of comparison and feelings of judgment. And so like what, what we were saying, the, the thing is, is that businesses survived before Instagram was even a thing. People were able to be coaches and thought leaders before Instagram, Facebook, MySpace, you name it, was even a thing. Yeah. There's just different ways of doing it. Yep. And I honestly don't see myself ever going back to the platform unless someone's doing it for me, like a VA or something. Like, mm-hmm. Because I feel so much better. And I don't mm-hmm. even think it has to do with that I'm not capable of showing up. I think it's just like, it's just, I put so much... Everyone puts so much emphasis on it that I'm like, I want to do it differently. I want to do it. I want to build community in other ways. Like, you know, I just don't feel the need. And I know this, some like really powerful business people have multi-million dollar businesses that got off Instagram, deleted it forever. Cause they're like, I can't deal with the energy sap that happens when I get on it. And what you were saying about, you were just saying about like, um, you know, the quality of the relationships and how it would make you feel like, like, like you weren't good enough and all those things. So I've been in that position too. And a habit I had was, well, what's wrong with me and how do I fix myself so I could fit into this environment or keep showing up here. And then I had to come to the realization late recently that there's nothing to fix because I'm not broken. It's just going back to your puzzle piece comment. This isn't the part of the puzzle that I'm meant to fit in, which is why I feel like this. Yeah. So that feeling of like, should I change myself? Like that's a mask. That's putting on a mask right there of like, mm. I'm going to, to change who I am in order to be accepted by others. The only changing that you should be doing is the changing that you make up for your own self. Like if you want to change and transform into a healthier version of yourself, or a more intuitive version of yourself, like those are all really healthy transformations that we can go through. Like that's becoming our best self because it's our decision to change ourself. We're not changing because of anybody else. And that's so, important. Yeah. So it's like, cause sometimes people need to boil it down to like, well, how do I know if I'm doing it? Well, it's like, if you're changing to fit in to a certain group or to a certain place versus if you're trying to eat healthier, two different types of changing. One comes from a fixing yourself to fit in and one comes from an authentic, like, this is going to make me better. I think that's a really good way to like, would you agree to like tell, like, am I putting on a mask or am I just making a really good decision for myself? Yeah, exactly. 100%. And, and with naked networking, we really focus on creating an environment where women can come in and feel like they fit in just for being there, just for being them and being a woman and just being there. That's it. You don't have to be dressed a certain way. You don't have to look a certain way. You don't have to be a certain age. You don't have to be an entrepreneur or an employee or a teacher or a doctor. Like it doesn't matter. You being here and showing up is good enough. And then we're going to help you with understanding who you are at your deepest level and making the decision for yourself to transform because you want to. Not because we want you to, or we think you need to, we're going to facilitate discussions. We're going to facilitate an environment and activities that help you make up your own mind on this. And that's that. So fucking needed, like such a huge mission. And like, do you have plans to expand this? I think you were mentioned, I think I saw you like kind of start mentioning that. Yeah. So, um, the original plan was we had eight events in the calendar for 2020. <laughs> All in, like in Philly area or? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. what's so interesting was that after our first year in business, um, 2019, our first six months really, we had three events, um, two of them sold out. And the third one, it didn't sell out, but we had our biggest event to date. We just had a bigger venue. Um, so we really ramped up quickly and 
a lot of women started reaching out to me saying like, when are you bringing this to Chicago, Tampa, Stanford, Boston? And I hadn't been thinking that way. And so all of a sudden having these women ask for it, I was like, oh, okay, wow. Like this is actually desired in other cities. Um, so originally I was going to expand in 2020 to new cities, which honestly a blessing from above that I didn't because it, it would be a huge challenge right now, given what's going on in the world. And I got some really good advice from a mentor of mine where he was asking me questions about the current community. And this was in October of 2019. So he was asking me questions about the current communities. Like, well, how many women have you directly impacted through the events? And at that point is probably like 150. And he said, well, what would it look like to get that number to 500 to a thousand before you think about expanding? And he was telling me basically to really ground myself in the Philadelphia area before getting the, you know, gold dollar signs in my eyes about expanding and creating this brand ambassador program and having five events happening per month. And like, Hmm. it was going, he kind of reeled me back in and was like, he said to me, I see too many businesses go wide before they go deep. And I was like, huh. And so I completely changed my plan for 2020. And rather than expanding to five new cities, like we were originally talking about, we decided to have eight new events in the Philadelphia area and the surrounding areas to really engage with the community and solidify ourselves as a community that is worth being part of and really adding massive value. So that way, when we do expand, I mean, all the women that come to our events have friends in different cities. And so to really solidify ourselves as an amazing place for women to go, that's important to our expansion process. So now the plan is for 2021 to expand to five new cities. And um, we were supposed to have our biggest event in April, but unfortunately that was postponed. Um, But what's been really cool is that because we don't have these live events right now. We're really digging in with our virtual community. And it was something that my assistant Kendra and I have talked a lot about was just how do we continue to engage with people between the events? And to be honest, like we had a Facebook group set up and we had about 75 members that we really weren't active in it. And the reason being was because the live events are working so well. And Mm. so it feel the need to fuel the online community because we knew that the live events were, were really satisfying people's needs. Now, because of what's going on, we are being forced to really figure out this digital community, which is only going to make us stronger once we're able to have live events again. So it's all a blessing in disguise and it's all, it's all happening the way that it's supposed to. And that's been a really cool shift that I've had to make as opposed to like crying, which I did do after I had to cancel my April event and then realize, okay, this is actually a really good opportunity. Yeah. Whoever your mentor is, I totally like back that because with the company I'm building now, we've had many people say, well, do you do, do you offer the services in this city and this city? And I'm like, I don't feel like I want to like build up my root chakra and deeply serve my community and build the systems and like get the feedback and, and make the impact hyper locally and mm-hmm. then replicate that because we know it works versus like, yes. oh, I'm going to go everywhere else and like spread my tentacles out. But then there's not that like deep root system, which can like, then grow the big ass tree out of, right? It's like you barely plant the seed and then you go and like sprinkle seeds everywhere. It's water the seed and you're like, now it's all crazy. And that's actually, I just realized this as you were sharing your story, what a metaphor for life and like this personal journey that we're on. Like let's focus on one thing, focus on ourselves. I mean, so often women feel like they're being pulled in every direction because we're afraid to say no. I mean, it's just, it's a conditioning that we've had forever. 
It's also the entrepreneur. This, this came up in two other podcast episodes I did, one with another entre- serial entrepreneur. And we had this habit of like planting a seed and like kind of watering it and then like planting another seed. And then like, wait, where's my seed? It's not sprouting. It's like, well, it's because you fucking sprinkled all these other seeds and then you never watered it and like, and like put it in the sun or you plant one seed and you overwater it and you overwater it and then you kill it because you're putting all your attention there. So it's learning like, how can like, giving up control, but also giving the required attention in order to have something grow? Yeah. So I have adopted this saying that um, comes from what you're describing. So I've learned this about myself and this is just a different analogy to what you just gave us. I have always been an entrepreneurial minded person. Although I am an employee now, I still am an entrepreneur as well. And I found myself so many times coming up with these different ideas and I can so clearly see step 100 when the idea is like into fruition, it's rolling, people are loving it, it's being validated, it's growing, all that. I can see that. And I can see like step one and like two and three. And so I'll take step one and two and three and then I'm like, where the fuck is step 100? Why is it not here yet? Mm-hmm. And I forget that there is steps four through 99 that I still have to take. And I think yeah. it's especially prevalent in today's entrepreneurial community because one, we're, we've grown up around technology and like the a microwave is a great example. When our parents grew up, well, maybe not actually before, when our grandparents grew up, like they had to put things in the oven. And so it took a lot more time to make things. Now it's like 30 seconds on the microwave and it's done on our cell phones. I think about my, my mom having to write a research paper for college. Like, can you have, can you believe having to go to the library and find like seven different books to write one damn research paper? Like, so the patience aspect of our current reality is, is strange. It's, it's misconstrued and we have this impatience that's been embedded in us because of how we live in today's society. And when I first kind of thought of this, I'm like, well, how do I become more patient and less impatient? Then I'm like, I don't know if that's a fair thing to force on me for me to, to just be patient all the time, because my impatience has also served me really, really well at times. So what I have adopted as my mantra is to be impatient with my actions and patient with my results, as opposed to just being impatient with my results, Mm. handling my impatience into my actions and maintaining that level-headed patience with my results. Huge, 100% with you. Also training myself on the same thing. It gets better with time for sure. And like it's muscle that is a very hard one to build. It's like I have really weak biceps. It's like my my bicep. But yeah, it's it's really important because then you can just like be a serial starter, I call it. And start, start, start. And you're great at starting. And a lot of fast start entrepreneurs are really great at starting, but they're not, they have to build the skill of watering and consistently consistently showing up and then disconnecting themselves from the outcome but trusting the outcome is coming yeah and on that note like that's something that I have practiced with naked networking so before naked networking I I'll be honest with you I have like seven different domain names big idea <laughs> I have a notebook full of ideas that I thought were gonna be it and when Naked Networking came to me, I was like, okay, this is, this is it. This is definitely an idea that has legs, but I'm just going to focus on having the first event. Mm. That's it. And then once the first event happened, I was like, okay, now I'm going to focus on having the second event. And that was it. And then it was the third event. And then I let myself dream a little bit bigger and like start to be open to expansion and that kind of thing. But what's been so cool about adopting that process is that naked networking has grown to a level that I don't think I would have been able to see. And because I've let go of the control and just been like, all right, let's take this step by step. I'm, I'm now beginning to see like a 10 year vision 
that I don't think I would have been able to see back in April of 2019 when I was sitting on my couch imagining what a networking event could look like. Yeah, you have to, sometimes on step five is when you're shown step six and step six shows you step seven. And if you never start, you never get to step seven. And if you quit at step four, yeah, it's, ugh, it's yeah, 100%. Yeah, and like a lot of people, they try to start with the end in mind, like you were saying, like step 100. But like sometimes, most times the universe, once you actually put your trust in it, has a way bigger plan for you or something more spectacular than you could have dreamed step 100 would look like. So yeah. tr- trust is really important. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's just another skill to learn. And I think that comes too with more experience in life and like more time, but also very important. All these things are huge. Yeah. And, and I think the trust aspect, I mean, trust in yourself, trust in others, trust in the business. Like it's, that is another underlying muscle that needs to be worked and can lead to so much great things once we have learned the value of trust. 100%. We can go on all day, I'm sure. Maybe we oh could do God. a follow-up. Totally <laughs> yeah. So how, what's your, when's your next digital, do you have an, a next date? Because I know you said it was like, what'd you say, today or yesterday, the digital? Yeah, next so we just had the most amazing virtual event this morning with Carissa Kuchis. She is Tony Robbins' only female peak performance strategist. She's also his youngest awesome. and the youngest to ever hold that role. She's 25 years old and she is wow. amazing, like truly amazing. So we had our speak today, but we do have weekly events. We've got Tuesday morning coffee chats from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Then we have the afternoon happy hours from 5 to 6. And then every Saturday, we have a Saturday session that's anywhere between one to two hours. And it usually features like a local entrepreneur or thought leader or digital personal brand, whatever. Um, so we're still figuring out who that's going to be for this upcoming Saturday, but... We also are launching a book club too. Um, The books that we're choosing between are Brave Not Perfect, Daring Greatly, or How Women Rise. And we're going to announce what our choice is tomorrow. And then we'll announce all the details of the book club um, tomorrow as well. That gives everybody at least a week to get the book. Are you doing like a naked networking style event where you like actually take your makeup off and like that kind of thing digitally or no? No, not really. I mean, the reality is I think right now in, in this quarantine, most people are just showing yeah, in their bathrobes or whatever they want to show up as. Um, we're not doing the makeup removal part right now because it's it works really well in person. 100%. Not super necessary, I don't think, for the virtual aspect. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Yeah, tell everyone where to find you, of course. Yeah, so I am on Instagram. Um, you can find me at Shelby <laughs> underscore Wildgust. You can find me on Facebook at Shelby Wildgust. You can find me on TikTok, but I'll tell you, it's like my alter ego on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a Wildgust underscore of wind. And I again, I will warn you that it is just me being silly and doing goopy things that to occupy my time during this quarantine. Um, I'm bringing you quality quarantine content. That's what I, that's what I say. That's all we can ask for right now. <laughs> yeah. And I'll link, I'll link all, I always link everything in the show notes. Um, anything great. else you want to say? Any final parting words? Uh, this has been great. I really enjoyed this conversation. I enjoyed being given the space to just have this conversation and explore these topics with you. It's been a lot of fun and I'm excited to hear the recording. Thanks for being here. And thank you all for listening to the Epic as Fuck podcast, where we have chats and banters with the world's movers, shakers, rule breakers, and makers doing, being, and overcoming things that are epic as fuck. And being epic as fuck, again, is not about being an influencer, being a celebrity, and having all the money in the world. It's about diving into the opportunities that stand in front of you in your own life every day to show up more impactful and as a more epic as fuck human. So thanks for listening and thank you, Shelby. Thank you. Thank you.